passion of the first generation can lead to a duty in the second generation and a burden to the third. We're, we're approaching this series of course corrections with the idea that faith does not always translate well generation to generation. And so we, we need to look at the ways that we're missing our message. Our message isn't getting out well. So the first week we talked about moralism and how morality is not about having a sense of moral superiority, but a sense of direction. Last week we talked about the problem of hypocrisy. Uh, we, we don't have a problem uh, being hypocrites. Sometimes we have a problem saying hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. But uh, so trying to, uh, to confront these things that are, are really uh, uh, barriers to people internalizing truth, internalizing faith, hope, and love. This week, we're talking about the fact that limitation, we're not good for goodness sake, okay? We're not pious to be pietistic. Our faith is not basically an ethic. It's a story. And so the limitations that come from reading Scripture and from living the Christian life, those limitations are in order to open up a world of relationship, rules for relationship. It's about opening up human potential, the greatest human potential. Today we're talking about abundance, the abundant life, that limitations are for a life of abundance. What's your potential? What's your potential? Sometimes it takes a challenge to bring potential. In 1962, one of our presidents said this, the U.S. should commit itself to achieving the goal before the decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. A challenge for potential to hit the moon and come back. What if he had said this? In 10 years, I propose this, that we risk the lives of dozens of our best and brightest we get thousands of engineers to work 16-hour days. Uh, and the best scientists de devoted to a government project. And uh, we spend a ton of money on a brand new untested government agency. What if he had said that? That's a bunch of restrictions, a bunch of limitations that we took on because of the challenge, because of the potential for greater abundance. Jackson, let him know you're here, man. It's his first worship service. He's here. I love it. I love it. Don't do anything with that boy. Just enjoy him. So this morning, as we look at the abundant life, we're going to look at it recognizing that there are limitations that we take on to open up a world of abundance. Let's turn now to the Word of God. John 10, verses 1 through 10. A great passage about the narrow gate leading to greater abundance. Hear God's Word this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, okay, I'm still reading. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let's pray. God, make our ears open to your voice this morning and our hearts tender to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. I think younger people hear the do's and don'ts. They don't hear the power and possibility. That's the problem. That's a problem. Faith does not always translate. Faith, hope, and love does not always translate in the next generation very well. They hear the do's and don'ts, can'ts and can'ts, shouldn'ts and shouldn'ts. They come to church thinking they're going to get a finger wag. That, that somehow this ritual of looking at what we should not do makes us better people. This is not the Christian life. This is a puny view of the faith. Puny. Jesus calls us to an abundant life. So I want to ask you, do you have a walk-on-eggshells view of your faith, of your life? Jesus is inviting you to the right kind of limits. See, the right kind of limits open us up to the greatest kind of relationships, beginning with him, but extending to one another. The right kind of limitations, all right? So you've heard me say rules without relationship leads to rebellion, right? You've probably experienced that, right? Somebody you don't have any relationship with, they put constrictions on you, and you resent it, right? So you, re- re- you rebel, right? You kind of push back against it. But when you have a relationship, when you understand that the person who's relating to you well, that they're speaking into your life, you know they have the best in mind for you, rules with relationship leads to abundance. When the person who's putting constraints on you knows what's best for you, So let's take a look this morning at three ways that we find the abundant life. Three openings to abundance through the right kind of limitations. Rules plus relationship leads to abundance. First, it leads to abundant peace. Okay? This is what the scripture is talking about. The sheep hear his voice. One voice. A unique voice. Not a bunch of different kinds of voices, not, hey, let's sort of shuffle everything together and and then let's decide what's best according to our own reason that there's a voice of authority in your life. And that voice of authority comes with something. It comes packaged with something. It comes paired up with peace. When you receive his voice of authority, the right kind of restriction, the right kind of limitation, when you're listening to his voice of authority, it leads to abundant peace. Verse 3 My sheep hear my voice. The sheep hear his voice. His voice. Not a generic kind of voice, a distant God, a deistic God, a God in general, right? A lot of times we we don't really like God to have opinions, right? We want God. We want the idea of the 
the hope of, of there being a heaven or the idea that there is a God or that God is sovereign. You want to wake up every day into a world and go through this, the chaos of this world knowing that God is sovereign, right? But we don't really want them to have particular opinions, specific opinions. We don't really want to listen to his voice. We say things like, all roads lead to Rome, you know, all truth, you know, just sort of winds its way up the same mountain. We don't like the idea that there's a narrow gate. We don't like the idea that, that there's a door, that Jesus uses these metaphors of, I am the gate, I am the door, and it feels restrictive, it feels constricting. But there's a voice of authority that we all need. And it is a unique voice. It's just like, you know, when you hear that person's voice that you've been longing to hear. And they call you and you hear it on the phone. You know that voice. Jesus is using metaphors. He's using figures of speech. It says it in this passage. In order to convey powerful meaning. God's voice is unique. Now, what he's not, he's not saying, look, he's not trying to draw you into some sort of mystical world where ooh, you just get on the right wavelength, the right channel. But, well, maybe in some sense, yes. But it's all in terms of one thing. Authority. It's not about saying, well, I get the right knobs turned and then God will speak to me. Or it's not about just saying, well, if I just do the right things... Then, then, then God is going to bless and open up his voice to me. I'm going to hear, I'm going to know exactly what, there's going to be a lightning strike. No, his voice is a voice of authority. He's spoken in the scriptures. And even the scriptures say he's spoken in creation that we know. You know, Romans 1 talks about that, that, that we understand. There's a, there's a human conscience. There's a sense of right and wrong. We know that there's an authority that transcends reason, in other words. There's an urban legend about a battleship, you've heard this probably, right? The battleship who, you know, they, they, they see these, this light out in the distance and they're saying, change your course, right? This is, this is a battleship. And he says, uh, he says, you know, change your course. The battleship says, I'm the captain of the USS Lincoln. Change your course. And the voice comes back and says, this is a lighthouse. Change your course. This is what Jesus is saying. My sheep hear my voice. A voice that is uniquely authoritative in your life. Other voices promise but do not deliver abundance. Sometimes those voices lead us into places and things that feel right to us. They feel like they are leading to life. I'm thinking of a friend, uh, you know, who's pursuing her own way. And, and, and it feels like this is her life, right? It feels like it's her life. Who is she listening to? And she's pursuing her own way. And she thinks, this is me. I'm listening to my authentic voice. I'm listening to the voice of my deepest feelings, of my deepest desires. And I'm going to become a fully realized, fully authentic person. I'm going to have a, an abundant life. I can, I, I've seen this rodeo. I mean, I've been to this rodeo. I've seen the outcome. I know the conclusion of what's at the end of this road that she's pursuing. It is heartache. 
not abundance. The thief comes to rob and steal and destroy. There are other voices around us. There are other voices that are very compelling. And sometimes we just, we just say, well, there's a cacophony of voices, and so I'm just going to do my own thing because this is confusing. No, we know there's a voice of authority, don't you? It's a unique voice. My sheep hear it. How do you know that, that you're a sheep who hears his voice? Because you're recognizing, you're making room for the authoritative voice of God in your life. When, Jesus, when, when Moses says to God, to the burning bush, who appeared in the burning bush, you know, God was telling him, go to Pharaoh, scary thing. Go confront the most powerful man in the world. Well, uh, just on my own? Who should I say sent me? And what does God say? Tell him I am sent you. I am who I am. The God who transcends all time and place. The God who was and is and is to come. The God who speaks light and life and creation. He's sending you. Tell him that. There's a voice of authority that transcends reason and human experience. It subsumes our feeling. We don't always like what it says. Sometimes we want to keep it generic at a distance. We don't want God to have opinions, but when you let God's authoritative voice speak, it leads to greater peace. You don't end up on the shores wrecked like the ship facing the lighthouse. So, rules plus relationship lead to greater peace. Rules plus relationship lead to greater freedom. Freedom. Why? Because that authoritative voice who designed you knows your telos. Now, you don't know that word, but telos is a word for your end, your purpose. What did God made you for, make you for? Where are you going? What, what is the destination? What's your destiny? What's your telos? What is the ultimate person, purpose of a, of a person? Your telos. When you understand where you're going, you know what road to take, right? Your telos is your destiny. And, and if God who fashions you knows what you're for, what a person is for, then taking that right gate, that narrow way, is simply to listen to a voice that is authoritative in your life, a voice of purpose, a voice of greater freedom. You see, there is a way to go. It feels initially constricting. I can't go all these other, these 359 other degrees of direction I want to go, but the voice is calling me this way because the voice knows what I am made for. Now, you can take your new Apple Watch, and you can use it as a hammer if you want. There's freedom. Your brand new Apple Watch. I am free to do whatever I want with my Apple Watch. I can use it as a hammer, right? Boom! That's freedom. This is the kind of freedom that we're speaking about when we say that everyone decides for himself what is true. That's the kind of freedom. If you don't know what an Apple Watch is for, if you don't know its telos, if you don't know its purpose... You are free to use it in any manner you choose, but you might not end up with a functioning Apple Watch, right? Verse 3, it says, 
and leads them out. Did you notice that? Not leading them in. This is what I think young people are. When I was young, I heard it this way, that there's a gate, and he's leading me in, and then I'm stuck, right? <laughs> it's like, ah, I don't want this. I want to do it my way. I want to go my own way, and I've got the best idea about how my life should unfold. You know, forget all this rules and restriction stuff. I don't want a gate that's going to confine me. But what is he saying? What's he saying? I mean, Jesus is using these, this economy of speech, these images, and you got to look really closely. This is what he's saying. The gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And then they can go in and out into pasture. They know their base camp, in other words. And so this is where life is, at base camp. I can go up to the ridge. I can come back. You see, it's not all about having all the right rules and restrictions for every situation. It's about understanding whose voice are you listening to? What story are you in, in other words? And now you can apply that understanding to every situation. The Bible isn't here written to, uh, as, a, as, as primarily in an ethic the abundant life is a relationship, you see? But there are ways that make relationships thrive and ways that kill relationship. So Jesus is saying this, and then it says the disciples didn't quite get it. They're like, I don't get it. You're using this image of a gate. I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. And this is the guy who not long before this said, follow me, right? That's not difficult to understand. Follow me. And he's saying the gatekeeper the gate, I open it up. He says, okay, I'll make it plain to you. Verse 6 says they didn't understand his, what he was saying. So he says in verse 9, he says, I am the door, people. I am the door. He's making it very clear. Anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Greater freedom. You see, Jesus had mastered the art of living. The most compelling life of all time, he barely traveled beyond his own hometown. I mean, he walked around uh, kind of uh, almost like a, a nomad. He never wrote a book. He didn't, he didn't have a podcast, you know? But his life was so powerful and so compelling. And so he was God. Well, so, you know, of course. But no, no. I mean, he was able to release all of the power and show us the potential of a human life by living one, a small one, that opened up worlds of possibilities. And we're still following him today. And you say, well, I don't like the idea of just sort of following Jesus and having this sort of cookie-cutter life, okay? I want my own unique life. Well, that's, that's what he's offering. Hearing his voice is about having a relationship with him that opens up the best version of you, right? You orient your life and your loves around Christ and a world of possibilities uh, open up. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it is the wedding season. Ben mentioned this, and, and uh, 
You know, um, a couple weeks ago, I was doing a wedding, and I said to them, you're about to take on a serious limitation. <laughs> you should have seen their faces, right? I was like, uh, yeah, I know. I was already nervous about this in the first place, and now you want to point that out? Yeah, you're about to take on a serious limitation for the rest of your life, right? It's no to everybody else, and it's yes to this person. Do you hear God's yes when he's inviting you to follow him? Do you hear the yes? Do you hear the whole world of possibility that opens up? Do you hear the paradox that says, now you can go deep. Now you can know and be known. Now here is the freedom to open up the kind of relationship that you've never had before because why? It's, it's hedged. It's, it's decided. It's committed. There's structure to it. There's, there's life in this structure, you see. It's a limitation. It's, it's, like, it's like this girl, this, this story about this girl who was in a burning building and everybody got out, but ever, and the father thought he had gotten everybody out and the father thought the mother had the girl and the mother thought the father had the girl, but the girl was now trapped in the second floor, second story of, of the home and the, the smoke was filling the place and she only had moments. And the firemen were down there with the big trampoline and they're holding it and they're saying, jump, and she can't see them. And, and she's listening to them and say, hey, we've got, we'll catch you, we've got you. Uh, we'll catch you, jump, just jump. And it's total darkness and she's not going to jump. And then her father comes and says, honey, they've got you. Trust me, jump. And she jumps. Why? She heard the voice she trusted. Now, sometimes we don't understand. Love your enemies. Forgive. All these, you know, give things away. Be generous. Those, those kinds of calls and commands, they don't make sense in the front end. But when you trust his voice and you take on those, those limitations, then you begin to see what opens up. You just take one of those examples. Like, I mean, you know, as someone who gives regularly to this church, as someone who gives regularly to, to various organizations, you and I, who give regularly, might do something else with that money. But you know, Beth and I made a commitment to, to, to tithing. And this isn't about tithing, this is about limitations, right? And it's like, this doesn't make sense. And you know what? I mean, that works on you. Over the course of decades, you begin to say, you know, you begin to recognize that there's a freedom in not always having to have just a little bit more money. And how does that, where do you get that freedom? By hearing the voice that says, jump, trust me with this. Maybe you don't feel like you've got enough, but give. You see, this is the principle that opens up new possibilities. And finally this. Rules, so rules with relationship lead to greater freedom. We don't always see it on the front end, but when you practice it, it opens up, right? You got that, right? But rules with relationships also leads to abundant overflow. What overflows? What's flowing out of you naturally? What, when you're squeezed, what just comes out naturally? What comes out when you're in difficult situations? What, what just, you know, it's like, I've got to tell you, you, you won't believe what just happened, Right? You've heard that story, right? You don't believe what just happened. You've told that story. Maybe it was just some small thing. It just has to come out, right? It's just hilarious, right? You won't believe what just happened. Or it's just, 
unnerving or, or aggravating. You won't believe what just happened. What do you have to do? You have to tell somebody, right? This is a picture of the hope of the abundant life. Hope has to come out. Verse 10, it talks about the thief comes to rob and kill and destroy, but I come that you might have abundant life. Life abundant. And what is that overflow? It is a hope that we have. And First Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Why is that? Is that because we're just supposed to be like have this pressure that if somebody asks us, oh, here it comes. You know, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you got to give me an answer. You got to be prepared, right? You got to have the right argument. You got to argue me into the kingdom. Is that what it's talking about? No. It's saying there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be opportunities where hope can just come out. Are you tapped in to that hope that is just constantly filling and overflowing you so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready for the hope? Now, you might not think of that, that, that I would bring up Uvalier, Texas, when you think about the hope overflowing. But what's happening in Texas? You know, we, we can't always, when, when no one can make sense of what happened, the Christian can come in and make sense of what happens next. When you can't explain except human nature is dark. What happened? We, a people of hope, can dictate what happens next. And I believe that's one of the most powerful statements we can make generation to generation. Not constantly telling people how they should think about what happened. Not constantly trying to fix the thing. But demonstrating a hope that lies within. Darker night, brighter stars, right? So, after Katrina, I went down to the area and I saw just people flooding from all parts of the country. They just could not, they, they could not help themselves but show up with a water bottle. Just, I've got a pack of water bottles. I just have to hand them out to somebody. I've just got to do something, right? We've got to do something. You won't believe what just happened, Right? People of hope move towards the darkness with light. We can tell, we can dictate what happens next. So, 1,500 people have donated blood on a single day. Grocery stores have donated a million dollars. God still puts the wiring, into the wiring of humanity a need to put things right. We know when they're wrong. Now, all kinds of emotions can drive that, right? A mixture of them. But the Christian has something in abundance to share, which is in short supply, and that is hope. Christians grieve, right? Christians go there to grieve with other people. And Paul says to the Thessalonian church, we grieve, yes, but as ones with hope. So, Billy Graham his organization, within two hours, had deployed helpers who were on the scene after the shooting. Here's a quotation from one of those. As a father of four children, my heart is heavy, said Josh Holland. We are sending our crisis-trained chaplains. You hear that? Always be prepared for the hope that lies within.
we are sending our crisis-trained chaplains to comfort people, listen, and cry with them, and to share God's love. These are people with abundant hope to share, who've been living the Christian life, not as an ethic, not as do's and don'ts, can's and can'ts, shiz and shouldn'ts, but they understand in the restrictions, they understand in the rules that there's a world of possibility and relationship that opens up to them. And because they're living it, they have something overflowing to share when the night turns dark. I think of Elizabeth's uh, children's sermon a couple weeks ago when she was talking about the sponge, you know. What are you soaking up, in other words? When, so that when you're squeezed, it comes out. Is it anger? Is it hatred? Is it jealousy? Is it just that sense of that there's just not enough of anything? Or is there abundance of gratitude? And that when life squeezes, this is what comes out a sense of hope. Now, Jesus stayed connected to his relationship. He didn't veer to the left or right. He knew when to hold up and when to fold up. He knew when to stay, when to go. He understood how to live. He perfected the art of living. He was a life-giving spirit. Adam was a living soul. He was a life-giving spirit. What are you? Where are you living? What's your potential? What are you? What story are you in? What are you soaking up? Jonathan Edwards, perhaps the greatest theologian our country has ever produced, says this. The difference between a religious person person who's all about the ethic, all about the rules, all about the do's and don'ts, can's and can'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts. He's good for goodness sake, right? Good just for goodness sake, not for the sake of relationship. The difference between that kind of person, a religious person, a pietistic person, a religious person in question, is that a religious person obeys God out of an empty heart and a Christian obeys God out of a full heart full heart. We're called to an abundant life, a life that with the right limitations has abundant peace and freedom and hope to share. Oh, this week, as you see all the opinions of everyone who wants to fix everything, who, has, who knows exactly what we should have done, who is so angry and they don't know what to do, they have all this emotion that's pent up and they have to do something, what do we have to do? as Christians, but overflow with hope. When we tap into it, we've got it to share. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the abundant life in Christ that we have. We thank you for the ways that you lived it. And we can see it so simply. So, such a small life, a life in Palestine, a life on foot, a life with 12 close companions, a life that was snuffed out after 33 years, and yet, and yet, and yet, the compelling nature of that life inspires us today. May we be so filled with the confidence that you're calling us as a voice that we can hear, that we can understand a voice of authority. 
that we would take on the kinds of limits that open up new worlds of possibility. In Jesus' name, amen.